Hello and welcome to a special edition of Cause High Viz, Cause Chambers West Garth's construction podcast. On Tuesday, June 20, Cause will be hosting the next edition of its construction breakfast series. Our ex- expert panel will examine the Society of Construction Law's second edition of its delay and disruption protocol, which was officially released earlier this year. Key themes will include, firstly, how the protocol is actually used in the industry, what key changes have been made to the protocol, consideration of the protocol's guidance on disruption, and finally, and of particular interest, the protocol's deficiencies. I'm joined today by Core Senior Associate Leighton Moon and one of Tuesday's panellists, HKA Vice President James Lyle. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you, David. Thank you, David. Leighton, I might throw to you. Thanks. So one of the uh, issues I'd like to discuss on Tuesday is the use of the protocol in the industry and the understanding in the industry of it. Uh, It seems to me that it's something that could be used on site better to allow contractors to make and for principals to assess delay and disruption claims, but is not. And it tends to be something that is used in a dispute context rather than a project delivery context. James? Um, yeah, that's been my findings throughout the, the, the use of the protocol, not only this second edition, um, but the first edition all the way through. It's been very much used in a things have gone wrong, what can we refer to context, and tends to not be considered at the outset of the drafting of a contract. James, as a lawyer, is there anything we should be uh, drafting in contracts at the start, at the front end of projects, to allow both participants to use it through the course of the project, but also to assist you as a as a resolver of disputes if things go badly? Well, as the consideration of core principles, um, some of the core principles deal with issues such as records, when EAT should timely be given, the treatment of concurrency, um, and probably most the, the, the treatment of prospective and retrospective analysis. And yeah, one of the, um, that's a, a good segue to, one of the issues I have with the protocol is it's slightly aspirational in that um, it requires contractors to keep excellent records. It requires parties who are in a slightly combative environment to act in a conciliatory way and resolve disputes contemporaneously, which is slightly unrealistic in some situations. Uh, one of the things you touched on then was the, the use of prospective versus retrospective analysis. The protocol advocates prospective analysis as the project's being delivered, which I feel is aspirational and doesn't always reflect what the common law requires for a uh, breach of damages claim retrospectively. Well, to me, it's an issue of actually the contract drafting, and I go back to the use of the SEL protocol at the outset of a project. Um, you've got recent cases where the law is evolving or interpretation of clauses is or will be delayed, will or has been delayed, and it's the interpretation of those throughout cases which I think needs to be considered very carefully before the contract's actually entered into. And what are your views on the uh, treatment of concurrent delays in the protocol? Could it have gone further in this update? Um, I think that the treatment of the um, concurrency doesn't want to go any further. Um, Concurrency is dealt with um, almost on a case-by-case basis. Um, The protocol advocates um, the use of true concurrency, i.e. the events acting simultaneously and not necessarily concurrent in effect. But um, with the different legislation, which is um, in different um, jurisdictions, um, it changes for, and I don't think it can advocate any particularly, or should advocate any particular instance of concurrency. I, I agree with those observations. That the, the main issue that that throws up, of course, is that true concurrency is quite rare. And so 
uh, dealing with it just on that basis deals with only 1% of the situations where you've got multiple events causing delay around the same period. So that's an ongoing challenge for both uh, the construction industry and also the legal profession, I think. Any other um, observations on the updates and how it could have been improved, James? Um, I think it touches on a number of things which are going to come to the fore in, in um, delay and disruption and quantum disputes further down the road. Um, things such as the use of technology, the treatment of disruption, um, how record keeping is actually used um, throughout the life cycle of a project, placing almost an onerous burden on contractors. Mm. Uh, again, an example of the, the slightly aspirational um, goals of the, of the protocol, which, which I feel is, is an appropriate spot for it to, to encourage participants to get outside their, their comfort zone and go to the next level of sophistication. It's not necessarily the best and most realistic way to administer contracts as things currently stand. Leighton, James, we'll leave it there. Thanks very much for your time. Now that's just a taste of what's in store for Tuesday. My name is David Hasty. Thanks for listening. We look forward to seeing you at CORES on Tuesday morning. This podcast is for reference purposes only. It does not constitute legal advice and should not be relied upon as such. You should always obtain legal advice about your specific circumstances.